It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey guys, John Barchard here, and the playoffs are in full swing, which means that fantasy football season is sadly over, right? Wrong. With one-week fantasy football at DraftKings, the fantasy football season does not stop until the games do. So while your season-long league is done, it is not too late to draft a new team and start winning money while doing it. At DraftKings, there are so many different ways to play. You can choose from public contests with huge cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against your friends. They even have beginner and casual contests where you can play against people of similar skill level. And the best part is you get to draft a new team every week. And drafting a team is arguably the best part of fantasy, am I right? Aside from winning cash, that is. Huge cash prizes and bragging rights await only at DraftKings. And right now, just use the promo code BGNR at DraftKings.com to play for free with your first deposit for your share of hundreds of thousands of dollars in total cash prizes this Saturday. But hurry, Saturday's going to be here before you know it. The Eagles will be kicking off, and then you'll forget about it. So make sure to get to DraftKings.com right now to choose your lineup, and you can play for some serious cash on Saturday. That's promo code BGNR, only at DraftKings.com. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at ClipIt.tv or check them on Twitter at ClipItTV. Hey, it's Friday, and it's been a while, but we remember how to do this thing. Let's kick off our shoes. Let's leave work early, grab a couple of beers, and have some nice conversations. We're going to do that today with one of my favorite guys uh, that covers the NFL draft along with the Falcons, Charles McDonald from the Falcoholic, and also just, you know, a, a must-follow at Four Verts for everything in the offseason, which the Eagles are not a part of, and it feels 
kind of great. They're also heading to London. We'll talk about that. Plus, somebody, the enemy of Philadelphia, might have got fired from ESPN. And we'll chat about that, too. But Charles McDonald uh, had a uh, had a great conversation with him on Thursday as we talked all things Falcons, how to beat this team. Are they really red hot right now? And what are the chances that this Eagles team can beat them. Here is Charles McDonald from the Falcoholic. Charles McDonald, uh, known Wentz hater, then uh, Wentz converter, and now <laughs> shit talker of uh, all things Philadelphia. Has uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you got you're, you're not giving the Eagles a, a chance in this one, are you? Well, I, I think it's going to be a, a closer game than people are. I, or not, not people, but I think then some Falcons fans are kind of letting on because the, the Eagles still still do have a good defense, and uh, if you're just looking at like at a coordinator matchup, you're going to take Jim Swartz over Steve Sarkeesian every day. But I, I've after the the Falcons just shut down the Rams offense, uh, people are feeling pretty good about their chances to slow down Nick Foles and. and what he's done since he's been in the lineup. Yeah, I don't. I mean, like that's a that's pretty easy <laughs> to, to, to do. Uh, kind of even if you are, uh, you know, uh, the New York Giants uh, head, uh, you know, coordinator or whatever. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's been a weird kind of a year, at least in in Philly, especially since Wentz has been lost. But for those that don't know, you you mentioned Sarkeesian. What's been the biggest difference, I guess, between him and losing Kyle Shanahan? I mean, I, the first thing I look at is well, they're not converting touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, what else is the the biggest difference between the two coordinators? Uh, I think really with with Sark uh, and Robert Klemko a, f- a few months ago, he wrote a, a great piece on it where he was talking to players uh, on the Falcons, uh, and he said the that or they said that the biggest difference between the two of them was uh, Shanahan was you know he had everything scripted out. He was setting up plays in the first half for things he wants to run in the second half, and it was just all very structured. But with Sarkeesian, they said he's you know uh, kind of disorganized and all over the place, and that really does reflect in the play calling. I mean, they they went through a stretch in the middle of the season where uh, they were just like calling toss plays. They would call like eight or nine toss plays a game, and after a while, you know, defense start to sniff that out when you just run the same play over and over and over again. You know, if Tevin Coleman was coming in the game, it was going to be a toss play, but. Uh, He's gotten a little bit better as the season has progressed, but still, it's 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 nothing compared to to last year. And you know that that I see is the the biggest difference in in this. And I, I guess I see people too. And I don't know if you said it. Atlanta is starting to get hot. I guess I don't see the the hot factor. I definitely see it in their defense. And you know the the difference between the first half of the season and now is is clearly evident. I think Trufant's still one of the most underrated corners in the NFL that's going in right now. But or is this team really hot, or is it just the fact that they beat the Rams? Oh, I don't think the the offense is hot. I think that the defense is is. I mean, really, over like the the last, I would say I would say month and a half. I think the defense has played really well. Like you finally start to see them live up to their town level. Uh, Tack McKinley's uh, he's he's been a monster. Grady Jarrett, Keanu Neal, and uh, Deion Jones have have emerged in the forces, and you know their second and third season. So uh, I think the defense is getting hot. I think that that unit's really starting to gel together. But the offense, no, the it, it's kind of. It's kind of weird because, you know, I think people are are down on Matt Ryan this season. But, you know, I think he still had a a really, really good season, given the fact, you know, his his offensive coordinator is is a dud. And, uh, you know, he he has four. He has 12 interceptions. And I think he threw only four of them. Like the eight of them were drop passes. And I think two of them came to the Detroit game early this season. So he's had some bad luck this season. But I still think he's played great football. Uh, He's just kind of been a, a stabilizing force. So I think Matt Ryan's good. Uh, the defense is getting hot, but as a whole, the offense is 
you know, still kind of dragging ass a little bit. I want to stick with the defense for a little bit there, Chuck, because the only real things that I think here in Philadelphia people are looking at and holding on to is one last year with Kyle Shanahan with one of the most prolific, you know, scoring offenses in the league. Jim Schwartz was able to shut that down. And then secondly, week six against the Dolphins, we're looking at Jay Ajayi running for 130 yards against that same Atlanta Falcons defense. Is there anything either from 2016 or just from week six that is still with this team? And would you honestly, is that still the best way to beat them is a, is a big handful of Jay Ajayi here? Yeah, I, from 2016, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't really think that this team is is lingering in that or anything that happened last year. Uh, I, 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 and I, I think that's a good job by Dan Quinn to just kind of keep this this shit moving forward because, you know, that was a disaster. What happened uh, in the Super Bowl? I don't think you can you can cut it. You're any still not way. over it, right? Like you're still kind of hanging I'm, in there. I, I, I don't think about as much as I used to. But every once in a while, I just think like, man, I really would not have to stress myself out over this team if they had just held that lead <laughs> last well, year. Like, and, I, I wouldn't have cared. I, like they could have gone 0 and 16 this year. I would not have cared. Uh, <laughs> and you and but, just so. Uh, everybody knows charles said after georgia unfortunately lost to freaking nick saban where i felt terrible for you uh you you declared if the, if the falcons are get your last shot here and then you're moving on to the jaguars i'm assuming at that point right i'm just gonna start rooting for players after that like <laughs> you, you can only have your heart broken so many times but uh, what was the original question? Sorry, we got, we got we got we totally got sidetracked there. Yeah, I was just saying if there's there's any way to beat this team is is there is it still a heavy dose in the run between the tackles? Because just looking back at the last, I would say four or five games, there have been have uh, some teams that had success running in between the tackles despite a lot of the speed and the lateral movement of that defense, which they do very very well. Uh, between the tackles in in the middle seems like the way to attack this Atlanta defense, unless I'm seeing things wrong. Yeah, that's. I think especially you know if you're gonna go into a game with Nick Foles, like you you want the ball out of his hands like as much as possible. Like, you don't you don't want to get in situations where it's it's uh you know second and long, third and long, and you kind of have to throw to to get back ahead of the sticks. But I, I think that yeah, Jay Ajayi is gonna have to be uh, the force or just a run game in general because he he did have a great game versus the Dolphins. I mean. That that Dolphins Falcons game was one of the worst football games I've I've ever seen. Just in terms of like a tale of two halves, you you go seventeen nothing a half, uh, and then you get blown out in the second half, like at home against a horrible football team. But uh, Jay Ajayi, yeah, he went off in that game. But since then, the Falcons' run defense has improved. Uh, two like in the, their two games against the Saints, they shut down uh, the rushing attack at least. I mean, the first one Kamara got hurt, but in the second one, they they still did a pretty good job stopping the run. So. I think this is an improved unit over where they are uh, when a JJ ran over them, but uh, that's still got to be the Eagles' plan of attack just because you don't want to get into situations where Nick Foles has to go and throw at Trufant and Alfred and Keanu Neal uh, you know, to go win a playoff game. Absolutely, and the, the funniest thing to me is how the focus of, or just who Julio Jones is, has kind of fallen off the map in the national eye. Um, I still look at his numbers and go, wow, like it's still Julio Jones, it's still the same guy, and I, I think some of it's with the offensive coordinator, and really, I think it's just fantasy football. I mean, he's only has three touchdowns, and that's just kind of more yeah. or less a. Uh, it's kind of who he is. Yeah, it's it's who he is, and the red zone problems are the same thing too. So, um, you know, I, I, what's what is the deal with Julio Jones? Is I mean, he's still he's still doing his thing. It looks like to me, and and people are kind of making him out to. Uh, and not hit, look, make him look like he's not having that great of a year, but he's still like a huge focal point of this offense, right? Yeah, and. 
even in you know if you're going to call this a, a down year for him, he he still finished like top ten in the league. I think he was even top seven in terms of uh, like yards per target. So he he still had he still had a great season. It would it was just kind of frustrating watching him. Uh, throughout the season, or really just watching the offense as a whole, because they would go games like where they just didn't target him that much, and then they would come back with the game, like the, the Bucks game this year, where they gave him 15 targets. And what do you know? There's 12 catches, 250 yards, and two touchdowns. And it's just, it's just uh, frustrating because you you feel like he could do that every week. But what I do like, uh, at least from last week, is that they they did get an effort to give an effort to get him a lot of targets. He had 10 targets and he gave you nine catches, 94 yards and a touchdown off that. And they had a reverse for like a 20 yard game too. So, uh, and I just pulled this up the other day. Uh, so Julio Jones, he's played seven career postseason games. He has 65 targets, uh, 52 catches, 733 yards and six touchdowns. So, you know, that's an 80% catch rate, about 11 yards per target and 14 yards of catch. And then about 10% of his uh, targets going for touchdowns. So I, I think they're going to give him uh, a pretty big workload on Saturday. He's been resting all week, so he should be ready to go. I, I, I mean, I, I still think he's he's Julio. It's just kind of been getting this offense to gel a little bit. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I kind of expect the the 100 plus touchdown type of uh, type of game, and maybe that will won't will or won't be enough depending on what uh, Jim Schwartz and the rest of the guys do there. Uh, let's get a prediction from you real quick. Who wins this one? Uh, I'm gonna go Falcons twenty to ten. I think it's gonna be a pretty sloppy game, uh, just because like when you look at the Eagles' defense, they uh, I think that their defensive line matches up pretty well with the Falcons' offensive line. Uh, just like when you look at how, uh, or I guess some of the ex- inexperience in the middle, where you have Ben Garland at left tackle, at left guard, and then uh, Wes Schweitzer at right guard. I think that that's a pretty good matchup for Fletcher Cox and uh, and Timmy Jernigan. So I, I think you know. Uh, it's a close game in the fourth quarter, and then the Falcons score a touchdown to put it at 20 to 10. All right, bonus. Are you ready to go through the gauntlet of where the quarterbacks are going to end up next year? I'm ready. Uh, Alex Smith. Alex Smith, Cleveland. Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, I think he's going to stay in Washington. I think they're going to just keep him and get that done. <laughs> yeah, thank God. Uh, they're going to tag him for $31 million. That makes everybody here happy. Uh, let's go with uh, Eli Manning. Eli Manning, I think he's. I think I can see him going to Jacksonville and just kind of being either a bridge quarterback to somebody else, maybe just competing with a rookie quarterback. You think the Giants are definitely taking a QB? Yeah, I think so. I think they might. It, I think they might get him it up. To be honest with you, I think there's a there's a small opportunity they might go like Saquon Barkley or something like that. Real life. Oh, that would be. I mean, that would be funny for you guys. It'd be yeah. funny for everybody except for <laughs> Giants fans. Any other uh, QB moves possible in your eye? Uh. I think it's just going to be interesting to see like with the, what happens with the draft, just because uh, there's a lot of moving pieces. I mean, Minnesota, they have potentially three quarterbacks that, that could be out, uh, depending on what they decide to do with Bradford, Keenum, and, uh, and Bridgewater. The Drew Brees contract situation in New Orleans is going to be interesting. And uh, obviously, like, who who's going to be the, the replacement to Carson Palmer in Arizona and, like, who the hell is their head coach going to be even? So yeah. I, I think there's, there's still a lot of pieces to fall. And uh, I feel like this is going to be a really active – uh, off season, especially in regards to, like the quarterback carousel. Yeah, absolutely. It's just going to be a lot of a lot of chaos, and it's a uh, the coaching hiring all, so far has been really weird and like not important. Almost like not, well, yeah. I don't want to say not important, but it's just like lackluster. There's not a, there's not a lot of movement happening. There's a lot of expected hires and things like that. So uh, that is Charles McDonald. You can follow him at Four Verts. We appreciate your time as always, buddy. We'll talk to you soon.
All right, later, guys. And a big thank you to Charles uh, once again for uh, for coming on the Friday Conversations. The uh, the Philadelphia's enemy. It was a weird day for Kean Fahey because I got the initial report from Reddit that said that he's moving on, and that was becoming from, or excuse me, that was coming from the Dan Lebitard show. So I didn't even actually hear it. I tried to search for it. Yeah, during his podcast, but I couldn't find it. But Reddit then went on to say that, yeah, he, he got canned. And we all initially thought uh, that it was, I mean, I just assumed that it was something in in a harassment form because why would you sign a guy in July? And then also just uh, just to you know flip the switch on bad takes, you know? I mean, like as, as much as we will rail Kian and maybe some other draft Twitter folks about being wrong about Wentz or whatever, and we have fun with it. Uh, you don't expect it to like jeopardize someone's job. Their 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 job is to have a point of view. And by the way, uh, like Charles, because I love him so much, that's more of the point of of drafting and and writing articles about it. And even in season, it's a point of view. It's not about being right or wrong. By the way, it's just about having having observations on whatever. You can be wrong, and it's nice when people admit that they're wrong. Like most of the guys that we respect and like on the show. So. You know, but but this is Kian took it to a whole new level of just complete denial, and so I I had just assumed the worst, especially because of the cleansing at ESPN and the things that are happening in the sports world right now. And you're just going like, oh my god! Well, uh, around uh, two uh, fifteen today, we get the full explanation of why Kian Fahey is is getting it done here, and uh, he he goes on to say this. So let me explain what Mike referred to on the radio today, and I believe that's one of the producers of the Levitard show. The short story is I fucked up. The long story is I definitely fucked up, but for transparency, I drank too much at a bar and treated American strangers like I would my Irish friends. They rightfully received that in a way that wasn't intended, and I wasn't igno- and I was ignorant. I immediately offered up to resign, letting the people know involved know it's the worst part of this. I love everyone there. Every single one of them stands for... Uh, what's right in the world, and I applaud them for calling me out when I was wrong. I'll learn from this, but for now, I deserve all the criticism that comes my way. So this kind of doubly pisses me off, because when I read this, it's either you said a racist comment or you said something derogatory of, uh, and and the other thing that comes to mind is a gay slur of some, excuse me, of some sort. So it's amazing to me that a, a guy that, that pretends to be in that realm and very socially aware can get just drunk and blame it on his Irishness and be like, oh, yeah, sorry, that's just how we do things in, in Ireland. And there's no context in there, and he's certainly not saying anything. So it's something obviously bad. How My, my next question is, how does a shithead like this get into a position where he was? And then also, this is just kind of expected in the way he treats people online anyway. Like, it's a it blows my mind that somehow they gave this man a platform and made him the authority on quarterbacks somehow. When, when everyone knows that he's a joke, and this just kind of makes it the, the exclamation point on all of this stuff. I'm not here just to kind of pile on to whatever's going on here, but like this is, this is ridiculous, and this is what drives me nuts about uh, everything else. Like We had fun with the Wentz stuff, and, and certainly I, I don't need to pile on any more Wentz takes. I think we're all kind of past that now. Uh, and we we let it all out with like a, a nice big bag of steam all at once, and it was a lot of fun. Hey Scott, hey Ken, we were all right. Fuck you. But this is the kind of thing where you just go like, okay, 
So not only are you not really know what you're talking about in a in a football realm, but socially you're not either because you advocate for all these all this different stuff and one drunk night at the bar and it changes into something different. Like I never want to see this guy have a job again. Honestly, it's, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous from an ignorant standpoint of all levels, from football, from just being a, a cool person, and I don't know. I, I'm 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 so done with Kian Fahey that it's not even fun for me anymore. It's not even fun to just go in and and see his old bad takes. Like I'm just so past all this. I just don't want him to exist in my timeline anymore. Not that he really does anyway, because nobody sees his tweets uh, or tweets rather because uh, everyone's blocked. So. We'll leave that there. I just found that oddly interesting uh, of the of the life and death, I guess, of, of Kian Fahey as a football expert at ESPN. But hey, in more positive, great news, we're heading to London, gang. I don't know when and I don't know where and how in the house, what's or whatever, but make sure you have your passports if you're living in the States and you want to come out and people in London. Uh, please go join the BGN Radio UK Facebook page where we'll be uh, you know, having constant updates up until then. The NFL announced that they're going to go play the Jaguars in London uh, week 7 or week 8. So that's the tail end of October, mid-October, late October. Uh, I believe it was the 21st or the 28th that's happening there. So we are going to go to London. We haven't figured out all of the stuff yet. We are compiling a bunch of uh, a bunch of folks to uh, to kind of take us there and get on board, and uh, you know just a lot lot of working circles. What we do need uh, from you, uh, Londoners slash UKers, if there is a bar in London right now that is somehow some way an Eagles bar, please let us know where that is. If not, let us know one of your uh, maybe one of your favorite spots to go watch an Eagles game and we'll just turn it in to an Eagles bar. I I, I know BLG plans on drinking at least five to twenty thousand pints of beer throughout the entire venture that we're there. And basically we just want to make it like a four day pregame show where we're at the bar every every single day, every single night. We're sitting there, we're having fun, we're talking Eagles, uh, maybe even some Jaguars, because I know that London is kind of the hotbed for that too, and that makes a ton of sense because they play there all the time. But we want to make this so much fun because it's a, it's a rare opportunity that, uh, and it's because obviously duh, the first time that the Eagles are heading out there to London. So uh, I'm really pumped about it. I'm excited to meet everybody there. I know the rest of the crew is as well. I don't know if the entire crew is going to be able to come out there, but uh, definitely me, BLG, and James are ready to rock and roll with this thing. So we will keep uh, details flowing. And of course, if you have any ideas, you can always send it to info at bgnradio.com or you can find us on Twitter at bgn underscore. Radio. So that's going to do it for Friday Conversations. Uh, we will be live, live, live at about, uh, I'm going to say 12.30, 1 o'clock, somewhere around there where we have decent reception leading up to this uh, divisional round matchup. And I'm getting really pumped. And I got to tell you, as a as just a parting shot here, if I see one more article that says that the, the Eagles just can't win this game, which the New York Post definitely put out yesterday, uh, and also put Nick Foles on the Falcons in the subtext, I don't know how they did that, but they made it possible. Like I'm at the point now where I'm just like, okay, I know the faults in this team. We've obviously discussed that for the last three or four weeks. We're all... Uh, either you know extremely optimistic or hopeful, but pessimistic at the same time. 
And I'm 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 now that it's here and it's we're less than 24 hours away. Fuck you, we're winning anyway. That's how I feel. And like I just <laughs> I want this to feel. And maybe some of you weren't around for this, but 1995. Like I remember just loving. Uh, Ray Rhodes so much uh, with that post-game speech after the Lions playoff game because it was the same feeling. No one gave this guy uh, a chance. No one gave that Eagles team a chance against the Detroit Lions. There was can't remember who said it, but guaranteed victory and all this other different stuff by this point. I think it is kind of uh, a, a very psychological game for this Eagles team as much as some people are trying to deny it, but at, at this point, you know, as they keep going back into the locker room, you're going to hear a lot more like, yeah, there is going to be a chip on their shoulder. Doug's doing the right thing by putting they can't win all around the locker room. And if you saw, I don't know if it was going around the last couple of days here, but Bill Belichick reading off the Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl parade plans from 2004. And Bill Belichick just read them openly two days before the game. And I think that's exactly what uh, Doug needs to find and muster in somehow. You know, all of those dumb takes, just read them the day before the game. Get everybody fired up and ready to roll. I, you want to call it a steal? Sure. I think the Eagles can steal this one. And I, 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 I'm going to be very excited because most of the public money, and at this point today, 80% of the public money is, is on the Falcons, so I can't wait to see the Sharps come in on Saturday afternoon and just drive that line down and maybe balance that out. So uh, Vegas needs the Eagles to win right now. I think that evens out, but I am very excited, and we hope you uh, we find you down at the Jet Row lot. Uh, me and James will be down there probably about 11, 11.30, so come hang out, drink some beers, and uh, we will get you going, and we'll be on Facebook Live you know, right around 1 o'clock and, and have a, a, a nice long pregame show with lots of beers and new microphones, which we're excited about too. So uh, we appreciate everyone listening each and every day now and each and every week, and we couldn't do this without you guys. This has been such a phenomenal regular season, and now we're into the playoffs. We hope it continues on, and we just keep resting going here because uh, you guys give us a ton of energy throughout this thing. It's been a very long season, and we're glad it's been a very long season, uh, especially because of... You guys. So that's going to do it for Friday Conversations. I am John Barchard, and uh, we will see you next time right here on BGNRadio.com and BleedingGreenNation.com. We'll see you guys. Uh, 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 uh,